Welcome to the Thinking Differently podcast, where we explore the new horizons of our rapidly changing world. I'm Rod Collins, your host for today's podcast. As technological innovations continue to transform the rules for how successful businesses work, we challenge business leaders to rethink how they remain competitive in a digitally transformed marketplace. One of the great limitations of human thinking is human bias. This is particularly problematic in centralized organizations because if the thinking biases of those in charge prevent them from understanding how markets are shifting or how the world is changing, these leaders are likely to make poor decisions that could jeopardize or even sink their companies. In previous episodes, we have pointed out that one of the most valuable aspects of collective intelligence is that it can be a powerful vehicle for eliminating unconscious biases from human decision-making. In this episode, we will examine more closely how we can improve decision-making by moving beyond the hazards of human bias. In 2002, Daniel Kahneman was awarded the prestigious Nobel Prize in Economics. This extraordinary feat was even more impressive because Kahneman is a psychologist. Although he was recognized by The Economist magazine in 2015, as the seventh most influential economist in the world, Kahneman holds no formal academic credentials in the field of economics. So how does a psychologist so earn the respect of colleagues in a completely different field that without any formal training in their field, he is embraced not just as one of their own, but is considered one of their stars? The answer is rather simple. Convincingly demonstrate that one of the prime assumptions of a discipline is completely wrong. In his recent book, The Undoing Project, Michael Lewis popularized the story of how Kahneman and his close friend and colleague, Amos Tversky, collaborated over the course of several decades to understand the working dynamics of human judgment and decision-making. They closely examined the ways in which people make decisions under conditions of uncertainty and found that their judgments and behavior were consistently at odds with the long-standing assumption of economic theory that takes for granted that people act rationally by seeking to maximize their gains. The extensive research of the two psychologists revealed that when making judgments, people were strongly influenced by a dynamic they called framing, which they described as the unjustified influences of formulation on beliefs and preferences. Kahneman and Tversky noticed in their experiments that people did not choose between things, but rather 
they chose between descriptions of things. Thus, by simply changing the framing, they could cause people to completely flip their attitude on how to respond to a situation. For example, in an experiment conducted at the Harvard Medical School, Tversky divided physicians into two groups. Each group was given statistics about the five-year survival rates for the outcomes of two treatments for lung cancer, surgery and radiation. While the five-year survival rates were clearly higher for those who received surgery, in the short term, surgery was riskier than radiation. The two groups were then given two different descriptions of the short-term outcomes and were asked to choose the preferred treatment. The first group was given the survival rate. The one-month survival rate is 90%. The second group was given the corresponding mortality rate. There is a 10% mortality in the first month. Although these two descriptions are logically equivalent, 84% of physicians in the first group chose surgery, while the second group was split 50-50 between the two options. Now, if the preferences were completely rational, the physicians would make the same choice regardless of how the descriptions were framed. Similarly, Kahneman and Tversky discovered in other experiments that contrary to the prevailing utility theory, people could shift from risk-avoiding to risk-seeking behavior simply by presenting them with a different description of the same reality. This means that framing can lead to errors in decision-making and cause people to behave in ways that clearly do not maximize gains and in some instances actually result in unwitting losses. How does this happen? In his best-selling book, Thinking Fast and Slow, Kahneman asserts that humans engage in two different thinking modes in their day-to-day lives. He refers to these ways of thinking by the nondescript names System 1 and System 2. System 1 is fast thinking, which operates automatically with little or no effort. It is highly proficient at identifying causal connections between events, sometimes even when there is no empirical basis for the connection. System two, on the other hand, is slow thinking and involves deliberate attention to understanding details in the complex web of relationships among various components. Whereas system one is inherently deterministic and undoubting, system two is probabilistic and highly aware of uncertainty and doubt. Needless to say, these two ways of thinking are contextually very different. Tversky summed up the human thinking paradox well 
when he concluded that man is a deterministic device thrown into a probabilistic universe. Given the limited capacity of the human brain, the time it takes to do System 2 thinking is misaligned with the speed needed to make practical decisions. For example, if you suddenly find yourself in an unfamiliar place late at night in the presence of a complete stranger with no one else in sight, you will need to make some practical decisions rather quickly. Doing a detailed background check on the stranger is not possible. So you will have to make a fast judgment about whether this unknown person is likely friendly, hostile, or indifferent. You will rely upon your experience and your intuition to quickly examine the clues in front of you to make a decision whether to ignore the person, engage in a conversation, or flee as fast as you can. This type of fast thinking is far more common than slow thinking because the high degree of ambiguity and the rapid pace of events that is the context of our day-to-day lives makes System 2 thinking highly impractical, which is why Kahneman contends the intuitive System 1 is more influential than your experience tells you, and it is the secret author of many of the choices and judgments you make. Economic utility theory assumes that people are rational agents because, for the most part, we see ourselves as level-headed people who make informed and deliberate choices. Unfortunately, this perception is more illusion than fact. Kahneman and Tversky discovered two important tendencies about human thinking. First, we can be blind to the obvious. And second, we are also blind to our blindness. In other words, despite the confidence we feel from our System 1 thinking, there's a great deal that we don't know. But more importantly, there's a great deal that we don't know that we don't know. And when that happens, Humans are naturally prone to hold unconscious biases. A common example is confirmation bias, which is the tendency to immediately interpret new information in a way that confirms an individual's pre-existing beliefs or opinions. As a byproduct of System 1 thinking, We build mental narratives to make sense of the continuous flow of information and events that we need to rapidly process in our daily lives. These mental narratives are the soil of confirmation bias and can often cause us to make confident decisions that are completely wrong. Even the most intelligent among us are not immune from this tendency. For example, medical doctors, like all other professional experts, are prone to construct 
mental narratives based upon their individual and shared experiences. However, these narratives, while useful most of the time, can often get in the way of accurate diagnoses. Michael Lewis cites research by the Oregon Research Institute that found that an algorithm was more effective at diagnosing cancer than a group of doctors and outperformed even the single best doctor. We may now be seeing the influence of unconscious biases, biases that are not maximizing gains and resulting in unwitting losses, in the guidance that we are receiving from public health experts in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. When the coronavirus first erupted into our lives, it was immediately framed as a public health crisis, which is why the guiding expertise for handling the pandemic came from the public health community. But what if we had reframed the problem differently and treated COVID-19 not as a public health crisis, but rather as a social system crisis? This reframing would have almost certainly given greater voice to advisors who were not public health experts. If the primary advisors were a diversity of contributors that included intensive care medical professionals, social psychologists, sociologists, economics, mental health professionals, small and large business managers, and legal scholars, as well as public health experts, there would have been a greater opportunity to formulate a holistic solution to address the many concurrent dimensions of this social system crisis. It is likely that a diversified group would have focused on balancing three goals. The first goal, of course, would be to minimize the number of deaths from COVID-19. A second goal would be to minimize the number of unintended deaths that might result from actions taken to curb the virus. And finally, a third goal would almost certainly be to maintain social and economic cohesion to the fullest extent possible. The need to balance all three of these goals would have resulted in a different and more comprehensive description of the problem and that would have provided us with the opportunity to better maximize our gains and avoid unwitting losses. If we had entrusted the crafting of the strategy to solve what is certainly the greatest social system crisis of our lifetime to a diversified group of contributors, we would have likely not defaulted to system one thinking and command and control management we would have been able to avoid the hazards of experts by enabling system two thinking to understand all aspects of a complex social problem. More importantly, our leaders would have had the opportunity to put aside one-size-fits-all simplistic mandates and formulate a more intelligent solution that trusts the evidence of data over the opinions of experts. Kahneman and Tversky demonstrated that physicians are just as vulnerable to the framing effect as hospital patients and business school graduates. 
This troubled Kenneman, who noted, it is somewhat worrying that the officials who make decisions that affects everyone's health can be swayed by such a superficial manipulation. But we must get used to the idea that even important decisions are influenced, if not governed, by System 1. One of the reasons that algorithms outperform experts is that algorithms don't have the limitations of the single human brain. Thanks to Moore's law, computers have a seemingly infinite capacity to store and process information, which means that one of the truly unprecedented benefits of burgeoning artificial intelligence systems is that we may soon have the ability to process system two thinking at system one speeds. In addition to speed, another factor that distinguishes AI is that its underlying structure is networked. Because the aggregation mechanisms in the algorithms of AI networks will have instant access to the full diversity of data that represent the independent thinking and the local knowledge of different perspectives, these machine learning systems will meet the criteria for harvesting collective intelligence identified by James Sorowiecki which we discussed in detail in an earlier episode. This is important because one of the attributes of collective intelligence is its ability to integrate diverse and even opposing perspectives into workable, holistic solutions that move beyond the limits of human biases. Amir Hussein, the author of the book, The Sentient Machine, makes the point that AI is not just another technology. Rather, it is a new form of intelligence. With its vast capacity to store information and its ability to rapidly process and retrieve information at the speed of Google searches, AI doesn't need to engage in the heuristic shortcuts that are prevalent in system one thinking. Without the limitations of the human brain, AI is far more capable of thinking probabilistically and holistically and is thus capable of weighing the relative content of multiple perspectives in a matter of seconds. In other words, the great promise of artificial intelligence is that it could effectively put an end to the flawed human biases that often plague decision-making in our social systems. For centuries, hierarchical structures have been the near-universal template for how we have designed our social organizations. Because top-down hierarchies naturally leverage the individual intelligence of the elite few, they are susceptible to and even amplify human bias. The foundational theory of hierarchical structures is that by giving the supposedly smartest people who rise to the top of these organizations the authority to command and control the work of others, then the organizations 
will be smarter than they otherwise would be. Unfortunately, smart people are not immune from human biases. And when they make decisions based on narratives that are out of touch with what's actually happening, the consequences can be drastic. The blindness of the financial experts who gave us the Great Recession and the failure of traditional media companies to grasp the significance of the digital revolution are two examples of how narratives that were once useful guides can suddenly become pathways to disaster. The evolutionary leap in the fundamental fabric of human social organization is the essential element of digital transformation. As the context for how humans think and act together rapidly shifts from top-down hierarchies to peer-to-peer networks, and as our social leaders become more proficient in their understanding of how to build and lead networks, we will no longer be blind to the obvious, and more importantly, we will no longer be blind to our blindness because the emerging human-machine symbiosis made possible by our newfound capacity to leverage the extraordinary amplitude and the incredible speed of collective intelligence will go a long way toward moving us beyond the hazards of human bias. Join us for our next episode as we conclude our first season by reflecting upon the great promise of digital transformation. Thanks for listening today. Please join us next week for another episode where we will share more engaging stories about the new rules for successfully leading businesses in a rapidly changing world. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.